Hello there, welcome to Monday Motivation, which is a supplementary episode of the Reality Responsibility Podcast. My name's Stuart Wellborn, I do personal coaching, I used to be a therapist, and I have written at least one book, maybe two by now. I'll explain that at the end of this. Um, if you, this is your first time coming to uh, this podcast, um, what I do every month is read a chapter from a personal development book, which is in the public domain. We are on the penultimate chapter of Henry Thomas Hamblin's The Power of Thought. So if you've just come across this, you probably best to go back and start at the beginning. Regular listeners, I will be cracking on as soon as I can find my glasses. Hang on one second. Yep, there they are. They were in my pocket all along. Okay, so we are on the penultimate chapter, chapter 11. Not demand, but obedience. The beginner might think, quite naturally, that having discovered the immense power of thought, all that he has to do is to make use of it according to his own sweet will. There is probably no greater error than this. It is because thought is so powerful and its effects so far-reaching that makes it important that we train our thoughts to correspond to the inner laws of the universe. We each form part of one complete whole. God is our father or centre and every man our brother. We are servants of one another. Until we realise this, we are out of harmony with life and the universe, not only in our actions, but in our thoughts. For if we have a wrong idea of life, then all our thoughts must naturally be wrong also. It has been said that we can conquer nature only by obeying her laws. It is equally true that we can overcome life only by obeying the laws of life. If we do not think in harmony with the motive of life, we become plaque spots in the cosmic body. It is only when we become brothers of humanity, living in harmony with the laws of life and the great scheme of things, it is only then that we can experience harmony ourselves, and it is only then that our life can become really and truly successful, in the highest sense of the word. It is possible to make demands upon life and to get what one demands. This leads to achievement, one of course at the cost of hard work and sacrifice. We have all to pay for our achievements. Those who are not willing to pay are not able to achieve. It is because achievement demands so much of us in the way of character, patience, perseverance, steadfastness, sacrifice, that makes it valuable as a builder of character. To keep one's success and to remain unspoilt by it demands yet greater qualities of character than does its achievement. But all such achievement can bring neither happiness nor harmony if it is demanded from life selfishly, without any thought for others, without any thought of God. No happiness, peace or harmony can ever result from making selfish demands upon life. It is true that there is a time in our life when it seems that everything is in our own hands and that we are master of our fate, captain of our soul. This may spur us on to achieve and conquer and to meet with experiences that are a necessary preparation for greater things. All this is good as far as it goes and may be a very necessary phase in our life, but sooner or later we realise that 
although in one sense we are master of fate, in that we can choose either good or evil, yet, all the time, there is a divinity that shapes our end, rough-hew it though we may. There is an internal harmony to which we must correspond. We belong to a complete whole, in which we have a place, and of which we form a part. We can come into correspondence with the harmony of this whole, only by becoming less selfish and more universal. In other words, we have to love God and love our neighbour. Instead of forcing our will upon life, instead of making ourselves a centre around which everything else must revolve, instead of demanding and compelling, if we would find real happiness and true satisfaction at all, we must love and serve God and man, life and the world, and thus enter into the harmony of the whole. The inner law of life is love, but it is better for us to think of this as cooperation. To the extent that we think, work, act and feel in correspondence with this law, do we find true happiness, peace, satisfaction and the things which are precious above rubies and which no wealth can buy. We see, then, why we should train ourselves to think thoughts of goodwill instead of those of hate and resentment, of cooperation instead of selfish... Hang on, it's a long word on two lines. Acquisitiveness, yeah. Of cooper I'll start that line again. We see, then, why we should train ourselves to think thoughts of goodwill instead of those of hate and resentment, of cooperation instead of selfish... Acquisi I can't say that. Acquisitiveness of service rather than personal gain. Sorry about that. It is only thus that we can become brothers of humanity. It is only by becoming... <laughs> I'm not starting the whole thing. Yeah, it's all right. Another sentence to start at. It is only thus that we can... <laughs> it is only thus that we can become brothers of humanity. It is only by becoming brothers of humanity that we can ever enter into correspondence or a state of at oneness with the internal harmony that is divine. Whew. We live in an orderly universe, for behind the disorder on the surface of life is an internal divine order. This divine order would find expression externally if every man were to come into harmony with it. But self stands in the way. Love, goodwill, cooperation, these form the key by which man individually can find entrance to this inner harmony and order, and which by reason of his own entrance he can make it easier for his brothers to find entrance also. There is psychology being taught today, mostly in books from America, that is hurtful and malicious. It teaches the misuse of mind power by means of suggestion. The mind and will are used to compel others to act as desired by the operator. For instance, a salesman wants to get an order from a buyer of a certain house. While the latter is considering the matter, the salesman uses strong mental suggestion that the buyer should sign the order. Unless the buyer is acquainted with this sort of thing, he may be compelled to act against his better judgment. This practice of mental coercion is really criminal although at present not legally so. It is practised in a variety of ways, but the one who suffers most is the one who practises the method and not his victims. Nemesis awaits all who misuse their mind powers in this way. 
we can never work against the laws of life without suffering for it very severely. Such mental malpractice as I have described is in complete opposition to the inner law of cooperation already mentioned. Therefore it brings disorder and suffering in its train. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> That's the end of chapter 11. Uh, coercion. The dodgy salesman. Psychology being taught from America 100 years ago. Look how it's developed and how nearly every message is designed to manipulate us these days to think something. Uh, to make us buy things, to make us feel that we're not um, good enough unless we buy certain things. If we don't look a certain way. Interesting that he points out that um, the one who suffers in the long term really is the one who manipulates others. I do hypnotherapy. Well, I used to do hypnotherapy. Um, I stopped doing therapeutic practicing in 2010 and moved on to other things before coming back to coaching. And, um, you know, I know a lot of things that could manipulate people. I think um, <clears throat> probably helped me back in some of my businesses that my own integrity got in the way of using some of the marketing tactics out there. Um, I feel glad that I didn't incorporate them in the long run because I think we are coming into a more integrous time where people spot these um, less than reputable or scrutable people that are using you know tactics to make you buy things we, a lot of people can see through um, that nonsense and bullshit and manipulation nowadays more than they used to so I'm glad I never used anything like that I mean I have um, done party hypnosis well you know stage show hypnosis at parties so that was manipulating people but they were up for it they volunteered so um, I'm pleased to say I've never used my powers for the dark side <laughs> I still remain Jedi minded anyway um, that's enough for today I did say that at the beginning for anyone who's never listened to my podcast before that I would explain what I mean that I may be the author of two books by now this um, particular book The Power of Thought I have pre-recorded in three different sittings so um, the last four chapters I'm doing in one sitting so by the time you're listening to this it could be August I think I'm hoping that my second book, which is entitled Reality and Responsibility, will be finished by then. Anyway, um, that's what I meant by saying that I could be the author of two books by now. My first book was a self-help book for veterans suffering from PTSD. Uh, that's it for this week. I hope you'll tune into my main podcast on Thursday. And I hope you'll be back next Monday for the final chapter of this book I think it will be a little bit longer episode probably you know around 20 minutes looking at how many pages are left to read so uh, that's it for this week hope you got something out of it and uh, yeah take care for now see you soon <laughs>